0: Uh, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. What I want to talk today uh, about is obvious reasons why we miss that standard, which would be uh, disobedience. My hope is that you can identify with some of the reasons that I give, make them personal to your life, and walk away today better equipped to deal with that disobedience. I'll tell you a funny story. When I first doug first uh i asked me to do this one of the things that was on my heart was just i was praying to god you know this is 2007. god i just want to be more obedient this year and so at first i thought i was going to talk about obedience and i sat there for a couple of days with a blank sheet of paper and just you know time goes by and time goes by and i couldn't come up with nothing and i just felt like god told me he said you know why don't you talk about something you know about so we'll be talking about disobedience <laughs> <laughs> um, when I say obvious reasons why we disobey I, I just got to looking at my kids and and um, you know some of the things that I did when I was a kid um, and, and why it was that I would just constantly fall into disobedience uh, and I'm going to tell you uh, something about Asher I have a son, he's just over a year old and What he likes to do, one of the things is when he... His sisters, they have a bunk bed, and there's a ladder going from, you know, the ground all the way up to the bunk bed, the top bunk. And if you leave him in there alone to play in that bedroom, he will climb up that ladder and get on the top bunk, which freaks me out. You know, when I go in there, you know, I see him, you know, one of his sisters will say, Daddy, Daddy, Asher's on the top bunk. And I go in there, and he's up on the top bunk. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm glad he didn't fall off, but to him it's so much fun and when he sees me he just starts laughing he just takes off it's up against the wall in a corner right so he's at the ladder when i I come walking in the room he shoots to the other end of the corner so i kind of halfway got to climb up the bed to get him off and he's laughing the whole time and he does this you know constantly and so i've taken him off and i spanked him uh you know i just like try to put stuff on the ladder so he can't climb up it you know i did finally i just had to take the thing off and then uh, you know i just unbolted it and that's it um, but, you know, he still, even at the end of the bed, you know, there's slats, he's still trying to climb up that. And the reason that he does this, is the only thing I can come up with is that he just don't understand why I don't want him to do it. Um, he knows that I don't want him to do it because he runs away from me when I walk in there. But he just doesn't understand that why I don't want him to do it is just simply to protect him. You know, I, I'm looking out for him. And, and I think that's why we don't obey God sometimes. We don't understand that God gives us instructions for our own protection. It's to teach us, and we we just don't get it. Uh, I want to look in a... Josh don't have these, but I'm just going to read it to you out of my Bible. And look at um, in Genesis when Eve was tempted by the the snake. And and we'll talk about this. He says uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say to you, you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree in the center of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. She knows the consequence, right? You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows your eyes will be open when you eat it and you will become just like God knowing everything both good and evil. The woman was convinced. You all know what happened after that because... God spends the rest of this book correcting that problem. Uh, But Eve knew the consequence. She knew, you know, what was wrong, uh, or she knew that what she was doing was wrong. But I can't believe that she knew exactly what the consequence of her action was going to be. She didn't understand, you know, she knew that she was going to die. She didn't understand that spiritual death was going to immediately follow that disobedience. Um and she didn't understand that uh, God was trying to protect them. You know, he's trying to protect them, and she was just not equipped to resist that temptation. Uh obedience protects us. In first Peter one fourteen, God says, Obey, or the Bible says, obey God, because you are his children. And just like Asher. You know, he'll, he'll learn that uh, I have his best interest in heart, you know. He'll learn eventually that uh, the rules that I give him are for his own benefit. And the Bible says, you know, as we are God's children, let's trust him. So, I mean, how do you correct a problem? If you grow up, uh, you know, and you live in a simple life, lifestyle and you, and you learn to, to trust the way that you do things, how is it that you correct a problem and start trusting God? And the only thing I can give you is this. Let's learn from your mistakes. I don't know how many times it's going to take, you know, for you to do things your way before you realize that it's the wrong way. And I just tell you the truth: God's right, you're wrong, and just deal with it, you know. <laughs> um, you know, Asher, if you if you look at him, he's got all these bruises on his forehead, and I, and I promise you, every one of those bruises was something that I didn't want him to do, that I told him not to do. And maybe after he gets enough of those bruises, he'll realize that, you know, Daddy's trying to help me. He's trying to protect me. And one of the ways that by identifying this this characteristic that leads us into disobedience is, you know, we just learned that we get into God's word. You know, you start trusting God. When you learn what his will is for you and you start doing it, we start trusting him in obedience. When you start doing what he tells you to do, you'll trust him. And you'll build a relationship that, uh, you know, that can prosper and, and grow fruit. When I think about my four-year-old, Kaylee, you know, she, when she gets into trouble, you know, I ask her, you know, w- you know, questions whenever... I always ask the same question. It's dumb. I don't know why I ask it. But every time she gets in trouble, I ask, Kaylee, why did you do that? And it's always the same answer with her. And, and I, that's why I don't understand why I keep asking. It. But she'll look at me, and the only thing she can give me is she'll look up at me and just say, Because? And... <laughs> You know, and I just, I'm like, because it's not an answer, you know. And, and I, Alyssa, you know, my eight-year-old, she'll, she'll like to say, I don't know. I say, why did you do that, Alyssa? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'll tell her, I don't know. It's not an answer. But when I think about it, you know, if God was to ask me, Jason, why did you do that? I would just say, because. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a real reason. The only reason is, is because it's something I want to do. That's another characteristic that leads us into disobedience is that we want to sin. We do. It's in our nature to sin. What we got to learn, you know, is how to deal with that sinful nature. Paul. Well, let me tell you this. If if sin was like a light switch, you know, uh, that you could just walk up to and turn it off. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to learn how to do. Just walk up there and turn it off. But you can't do it on your own. You sent us something that we want to do. Uh, in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Let me get there. This is what Paul says. And just stay with me because the first time I read this, I didn't understand what I was reading. He says, uh, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience shows that I agree with the law that it's good. But I can't help myself because it's sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. You know, it doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, do you argue with yourself like that? Why do I do that again? You know, what's wrong with me? Um, And I'll just be honest with you. There's two things, one of two things that will lead you in your in your life, your walk with God. One of them is going to be your sinful nature, another one is going to be God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You're born with your sinful nature; you can't do nothing about it. I mean, you're born with it. It's in your it's in your flesh, but you're reborn with the Holy Spirit. And later on, uh, Paul talks about it being a battle. And I look at our sinful nature; it's a battle between something that we know and something that we don't know. Something that's familiar with something that's unfamiliar to us. And it's something it's it's sinful nature against Holy Spirit. And let me read this to you in Galatians, and it'll make sense to you. So Paul says, I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the opposite, or... The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the uh, simple nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. So I'm telling you, and I've used this uh, analogy before in Celebrate Recovery. If you don't do anything, your simple nature is going to lead you into sin. You know, like if you, uh, no matter what changes you make to your VCR, you unplug it and plug it back in, it's got those default settings it goes back to, that's, that's what it's going to do. You know, if you don't actively seek God, Jesus says in chapter 10 of John, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you don't stay connected to God through his word and start trusting him in obedience by trying to do his will, then you'll never be able to walk away from that simple nature. Let's see another reason. This is uh, probably the most obvious reason, uh, is because we think we can get away with it. We sin because we think we can get away with it. Uh, I mean, why else would we do it? If we know something's wrong and we do it anyways, you know, I think a lot of times our motive is that we'll just keep it a secret. Nobody ever knows, you know, and and I won't ever have to deal with it. Do you ever watch cops? I see some heads moving. The Cops is like my favorite show of all time. But when I'm watching Cops, I'm thinking, you know, those those guys, when they set out to do whatever it is they were going to do, I know they knew it was wrong because, you know, they always run. But, you know, I always thought, did they, did they set out to get caught? No, they didn't. They didn't. If they would have known that they would have been busted, would they have done what they were going to do? They wouldn't have. So let me tell you that as a Christian... There's nothing that you can do that is not going to be known to God. And I'm going to talk about uh, uh, David. David started out as a sheep herder. God appointed him to be king of his chosen people, the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and David had a great relationship with God. I mean, he really did. He did uh, he was, uh, I mean, he conquered giants. I mean, he had won uh, many battles. And he was just a successful king uh, over Israel, way more successful than Saul was, you know, which was the first king of Israel. But David was also disobedient. David, uh, everybody knows about him and Bathsheba, and David committed a, adultery with her. But the first thing that he tried to do, before anybody else knew about it, he tried to cover it up. And you know, uh, Bathsheba's uh, husband was Uriah. And and he was a soldier in David David's army, and when when I don't guess David was gonna do anything about it until she got pregnant, you know I guess it would have been he would have been content just to I had my fun let's leave it alone, but she came up pregnant, and so David had to do something, so he sent for Uriah to come back off the front line to uh you know and he said hey man you've been working hard why don't you go home spend some time with your wife you know and uh. Uriah was such a good and dedicated soldier that he didn't do that. He was like, I, how can I do that when, you know, my, my brothers, you know, are, are over there fighting? And so uh, David, he, he gets him drunk. He says, well, you know, I'll get him drunk. Maybe he'll change his mind. And I don't know. You know what a drunk man's like. Uh, you didn't catch that? You know, <laughs> but uh
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll meet afterwards.
0: But still, Uriah was like, no, you know, I don't want to go home. And uh, he was just a dedicated soldier. So David sent Uriah back, and he sent a, a note to Uriah's commanding officer, and he told, put Uriah on the front line to where, you know, uh, he knew Uriah would be killed. And that's what happened. So I guess looking from the outside, it was okay for David to marry her now. You know, she's carrying his child. It's okay for him to marry her because the husband's dead. And that's what he did. And I guess he's content with doing that. You know, he committed murder now. He's committed adultery, now he's committed murder. Well, until God sent the prophet Nathan to him, that's, that's when David confessed his sin to God. God uh, sent the prophet Nathan to him, pretty much said, I know what you've been doing. And when it was pointed out to him, that's when he just confessed. He said, I have sinned against God. And and uh, that's when he made amends, you know, uh, or or showed uh, you know sorrow for what he did. And the thing is, confessing something to God is not—you're not ratting yourself out. You know, the word confess just means to agree with. So when you confess something to God, you're not telling on yourself. God already knows about it. God just wants you to agree with Him. So, so about something He already knows about you. And so when you come to God and you confess, and the Bible says that when you confess, you can be healed, and and you can leave that simple simple lifestyle. Now, I know there's people in here. Because you know Romans three twenty three says we all sin we fall short of that glorious standard it means we all are disobedient. Um, what I want to say is that uh, I know people here probably have secrets you know there's people here that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, you know and I I'm not trying to judge you you know I don't I don't want to put myself on a pedestal and say you know you need to to do this or you need to do that but what I want to do is just urge you. To, to, to leave, because I know if, you, if you're if you in that lifestyle and you have that secret sin, you're doing these things, I know you're not happy because God did not design you to live your life like that. And what I want you to do is just, I want to give you some hope that if you would go to God, agree with God with what He already knows about you, which is to confess your sin, then God can heal you. And then He can use the things that you've done in your life for for things, uh, for like tools to teach people. So, they go from being mistakes to effective tools of teaching. You know what I'm saying? You follow me? <clears throat> I want to tell you something about obedience. You know, from time to time, <clears throat> I feel like, you know, just like I did at the beginning of the year, I want to, I want to be obedient because in my mind I think I want to please God. And there's, and I want you to know that, that Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So you should want to be obedient to God. You should have that desire. But let me tell you that obedience is not a condition of God's love. Obedience doesn't earn salvation. Uh, obedience is not something that we use to create division between each other. You know, like, well, I followed nine of the ten rules. You only followed eight, so God loves me more. That's not what it's for. Obedience is, is to protect us, to teach us. God, The Bible says that God sent his law to show us how simple we are. So God he wants you to see yourself for what you are. And then come to Him. Um, and I, I want to tell people, you know, about disobedience. It's okay to learn from your mistakes, because learning's good. I don't, I don't know what to say. It's, it's a good thing to learn. So in your disobedience, God can also use that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want people to think that they can be, they're trapped in their disobedience. You know, Satan. You know, Paul says that uh, there's a battle going on between your sinful nature and your spiritual, uh, God's Holy Spirit trying to work in you. And what Satan likes to do is sometimes catch us in the, in the, in the midst of that and try to say, well, you, you've done messed up too many times. You know, you've done the same thing too many times. Uh, you know, There's no way that a God, a righteous God can love an unrighteous you know, sinner. But the Bible also says that while we were yet sinners, we were still doing it, and we still do it. Christ died for us. And so I'd say, just don't let, you know, when we talk about disobedience, you know, I've done it with the best of them. And, uh, you know, if you want to talk to my dad, he's over there. He can tell you. (laughs) But what I don't want you to think is that your disobedience is some barrier between you and God. It's not. Satan wants you to think it is, but it's not. And I want you to, we have a, a real short video. And when you look at the video, you know, it's just like when I look at my son. I don't care how many times that he climbs up on top of the bunk bed, and how many times I got to pull him off. Or I don't care how many times that my daughters do things that I don't want them to do. I don't ever stop loving them. I don't. And I, I mean, if my kids, there, there, it's going to be a fact that if one of them is more disobedient than the other, well, I'm going to enjoy one more than the other, right? I mean, one's going to be more of a, a a struggle, you know, as far as my job as a parent. But my, my, the love that I have for them is no different. And I want you to see this video, and I want you to see this this uh, this man. His son is disobedient, right? He does something wrong. But I want you to see how, it's, how the father handled that, you know. And I just want you to know that, uh, you know, God is no different. You know, when I know when I look at my children, I love them, and I think I could never love something as much as I love them, kids. Well, God loves me way more than that. He loves you way more than that. He loves uh, your worst enemy way more than that. And so when we disobey, it's not like God wants to boot us out and not have anything to do with us. So uh, my point is, just don't, don't let disobedience entrap you into thinking that you cannot have a relationship with God because it's very possible. Uh, but y'all watch the video and we'll talk more about it.
1: On, a, on my kitchen table, we have this metal tin bowl receptacle thing where we keep all those things that don't seem to go anywhere else. Do you have one of these places in your house? It's maybe a shelf or a drawer. It's that place where you put all all those all those possessions that are just have no home. where they end up. And so at any one time, you know, it's got like a shoelace and it's got a key to you have no idea what and, you know, maybe some rubber cement and a stick of dynamite or something. I don't know. So anyway, a few days ago, my... Uh, my wife, Kristen, and I were cleaning up the kitchen. We're picking things up, and, and I noticed this little white ball in the metal bowl, and I'm struck with the fact that I've never seen it before. And so I turn to Kristen, and I say, like, hey, where'd this white ball come from? Where'd you get it? She says, I have no idea. I've never seen it before. And our boys are over here, so I said, hey, you guys, where'd this, uh, where'd this white ball come from? I haven't seen it before. And, and the one son, my younger son, he says, What well, I, I don't know. I've never seen it. And my older son says, it's just the strangest thing. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Do you know where it came from? And then he, like, keeps going in the same voice. He's, he's like, it's just the strangest thing. I mean, this little white ball, it appeared out of nowhere. Who knows where it came from? And Kirsten and I look at each other, and, and we have this look between us like do you know who this boy is? I mean, for a few brief moments, he's some other kid, and he just keeps going with these bizarre gestures. It's like he's been possessed by the spirit of Urkel or something. I mean, for a few brief moments, he's this other boy. You know, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. But I mean, it's just like a you know, it's just a little white ball and it's... Kristen and I look at each other like, it's just not that big of a deal. So a couple of days later, my wife is home with the boys, and she's in one room, and they're playing another room, and And uh, she hears this ruckus, and the two of them run into the room where she's at, and the younger son is crying, and he's insisting that his brother hit him. My older son is going, I didn't hit him. I don't know what you're talking about. It's the strangest thing. It's the weirdest thing. I didn't hit him. And he's going on and on, and the younger one with tears streaming down his face is going, No, he hit me. And my older son is going, No, I don't know what you're talking about. It's the strangest thing. It's the weirdest thing. And then Kristen just says to him, Kind of like you don't know where the white ball came from. And he just freezes. Like the, the, the technical legal word here is busted. You know that moment, like when your junk catches up to you? It's like maybe not that day, maybe not the next day, maybe not for a while. But given enough time, it always finds us like there's this great phrase wherever you go there you are it's written in the bible in the book of galatians like don't be misled no one makes a fool out of god whatever we plant we will end up harvesting it's like one way or another given enough time our sins find us out it always catches up with us doesn't it so my boy stands there in front of his mom frozen and then he turns and runs upstairs. Because sometimes it's easier to run upstairs, isn't it, than to face the truth. Now this whole time, I haven't even been there. I'm coming home and I call Kristen and she tells me this whole story. And so I'm driving along thinking, like, what am I supposed to do when I get home? I mean, I know I should do something, but I have no idea what to do. And so I get home and Kristen tells me that she hasn't heard a sound from him upstairs the whole time. So I go upstairs. And I go check in his room and he's not there. So I go and I check in his brother's room and he's not there. And then I check the bathroom and he's not there, which leaves only one option, our bedroom. And so I go and I stand in the doorway of our bedroom and I look in. And there in the middle of our bed under the covers is a lump the size and shape of my boy and I mean at this point he's been under there at like two hours I mean it must be so hot he must be so miserable I mean can he even breathe under there I feel like I should get him a snorkel I mean he just must be miserable and I start thinking about all the amends he's gonna need to make to his mom and to his brother and to me and then I think about whoever he took the white ball from. We're gonna we're gonna have to call them and at some point go over there. He's gonna need to take the white ball back and he's gonna need to apologize and and I stand in the doorway of the bedroom and I I think about my boy and all of his shame. The kind of shame that he would hide under the covers for that long. And so I go over and I sit down on the edge of the bed and I pull the covers back a little bit and the first thing I see is just this soaking wet hair you know like he's been underwater and so I pull the covers slowly back until he's just lying there all curled up with his eyes closed and he doesn't move it's like he has this choice like, does he continue? You know, does he grab the covers and pull them back over his head and keep hiding, or does he just let himself lie there, totally exposed and vulnerable? So I sit on the edge of the bed, and I say to him, There's nothing you could ever do that would make me love you less. And then slowly he sits up, and he opens his eyes, and he plants the soaking wet head right in the middle of my formerly dry shirt and he wraps his little wet warm arms around me and he just starts sobbing and he cries and cries and cries and he's so sorry so I sit on the edge of the bed holding my boy with the covers pulled back repeating Nothing you could ever do to make me love you less. nothing you could ever do. I mean, do you realize that? Do you know that? Nothing you could ever do that would make me love you less. I mean, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever you will do. I mean, God loves you, and God always has, and you can't change that. Because sometimes the white ball seems like everything, doesn't it? Like, how am I ever going to get away from it? And so we have no idea what to do with our shame, so we run upstairs and we hide under the covers, and we keep hiding because we don't, we don't know where to go or what to do. Maybe you're like, yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. or you just, If you, only you knew that, like it says in the book of Romans, chapter 8 in the Bible, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God and Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate you. So may you stop hiding under the covers. May you let God pull the covers back. May you embrace him. May your whole life become a response to the truth that you've always been loved, you are loved and you always will be loved. And may you know, may you know deep in the depths of your soul There's nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. Nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. Nothing. Nothing.
0: put it up there josh Uh, paul says in romans he says uh, nothing can separate us from god's love not life or death not angels or spirits not the present or the future and not powers above or powers below nothing in all of creation can separate us from god's love uh, that he has for us in christ jesus our lord so quit using disobedience as an excuse And I'll tell you one thing, that God appreciates more than obedience. He appreciates you in your brokenness to go to Him, agree with Him what you are, and ask Him to be the leader of your life. That's way more important than obedience. Don't get me wrong, obedience is important. But just being honest and and, and an open heart towards God is more important than any of that. After that, when you learn to love, then a love uh, obedience is a result of that love. You'll learn to do that. It's a process. The Bible says, you know, uh, uh, the renewing of your mind by the washing of his word. It's something that takes a while. It takes, it takes a process. So what I want to leave you here today saying is, you know, ignorance can cause us to stumble. Uh, the desire to want to do evil causes us to stumble. And the fact that we sometimes think we won't get caught which is just a bad motive to have, can cause us to stumble. And I would just tell you, get into God's Word. It won't matter what the consequences are, because you won't care. When God tells you to do something, you'll just trust Him, and you'll do it. You know, uh, when you replace that sinful nature, that desire to do evil with the, the Spirit of God leading you, you won't want to do the evil things. And I, and, I, and I, when you tr- when you know that God knows everything about you, and, that, and when you understand that confession is not a, a mission of, of, of guilt that God didn't already know, then, then you'll quit trying to hide this stuff and you'll just live an honest life. It's, it's open uh, for all to see. But you've got to get in His Word. Because if you don't know His will, you don't know what to do. And you cannot build trust uh, uh, because you don't know what to do. And, and when you obey Him, that will build up your faith. And you'll know. You'll learn just like Asher's going to learn. Hey, my dad's right. You know? Maybe I shouldn't be running around banging my head on stuff. So I just wanna close here and get you guys out of here a little early. But uh, I just wanna tell you that if you know, if, if if you're sick and tired of the way you live, you're sick and tired of the hurt and the pain uh, of all the decisions that you made, and you're so ashamed of the junk that's caught up with you, just remember that God loves you still. And people who want to use obedience as as some kind of way to separate us from one another, you, you, you got it messed up. I'm not supposed to walk around making you feel bad about your life. But I'm supposed to show you love so that you can see God in my life. And all that does, you know, is just it separates us and it makes people feel so alone and, and Satan can influence them. Because they're not listening to God. And I just want you to pray with me right now. And God, I would just ask that you would just reveal yourself to the people whose hearts are just broken, God, and far from you. God, that you would show them how much you want to be a part of their life. And God, at the same time, that they could see how much they need you. And God, that the the punishment's been paid for our disobedience. And God, all that's left is for you to love us. And Because you love us, we can learn to love you. God, I thank you so much that you sent your son to die, and to take this punishment for me and for everyone in this room. God, so that we don't have to be fearful and worry, but we can just focus on, on an abundant life in you. And God, I pray all these saints in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. Oh, it's already done. I, I would like to share with you some bad news. It's just been on my heart. If you don't know Dr. Rob uh, Burns, he's been to this church a few times. Um, last week he sat over there in the back row. Uh, he passed away Friday. Uh, I would just tell you, I mean, there's different opinions about him that float around. just depends on who you talk to. But, um, uh, he, uh, that man showed, uh, nothing but kindness to me and my family. And for that, we're going to miss him. And, uh, we loved him. And so what I ask is that you just keep his family in your prayers because, uh, of the loss that they're having to deal with. Um, and I think, um, uh, you can probably get in touch with Charlie if you wanted to help out in any way. Uh, But that's that's all I got.